it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on the characters, concept, places, and things, but not galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, and I am a zombie virus survivor, along with my co-host, Ross. Mac, even though we are both sick, it is so great to be here with you today. For the first time ever, we are virtual. We are not in the same room. For the Correct. first time ever, other than the times when we've been by ourselves, we have never <laughs> recorded a podcast uh, not in the same room together. Okay. Today is day one, we, so we've hopefully gone from, this sounds okay. I say we've gone from socially distancing to record this, which was its own awkward hurdle to get over to. Now we're recording in separate quarantine, uh, but that's because we're both uh, yeah. both feeling pretty under the weather, and you can never yeah. be too careful with everything that's going on. Um, yeah, we we are both safe. We are both okay, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, it's just easier to stay apart. And so we figured, what better time to try recording virtually? We've been wanting to try it for a while. Yes. This forced our hand. Here we are. <laughs> uh, we will not miss an episode if we can avoid it. And so here we are. And what we're gonna do today is we are gonna get into the spooky season. Uh, if you are listening to this yes. when it releases, Halloween is this coming weekend, and I hope you enjoy it along with The Mandalorian, because uh, that's gonna make this weekend just spectacular. But we're gonna focus on some spooky things by spending pretty much the whole episode talking about the, can we say the other? Yes, the other Star Wars <laughs> horror novel. <laughs> yeah, the other Legends Star Wars horror novel. Is there a canon one yet? I don't know if there's a canon one. Well, Dark Tales and Tales oh, from Vader's Castle, fair. while both not um, horror novels, are horror stories in other forms. They're yeah. certainly spooky. For sure. What about, um, what about um, well, I would say, I guess you really wouldn't say. I was thinking like some of the Rise of Kylo Ren stuff. You know, there's some spooky stuff in... Uh, Tales, remember that that book I love, Aliens Volume 1, Tales True. Volume 1? True. Um, that never got a volume 2, that really bums me out. Hope springs eternal, my friend. I mean... Yeah, you never uh, know. You we're never... getting a second from a second point of view, so anything is exactly. possible. Exactly. Um, uh, and we're going to be reviewing the book Red Harvest. Um, we reviewed yes, we last year, if you want to listen to it, um, Death Troopers for uh, Halloween. And this is, in many ways, the sequel uh, written by the same author, Joe Schreiber, uh, and involving a similar situation, except instead of um, Galactic Civil War and dealing with a zombie plague, we have Sith Masters and a Jedi uh, apprentice kind of stuck in the middle of a zombie outbreak. Uh, and uh, it should be really fun. It is. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a little bit different because we're only gonna talk about this one, this one story today. But we are gonna talk about it in uh, great detail. So spoilers ahead. Ye be warned. All right, and we're gonna get started with that right after this.
let's get into it in this spooky season. Let's talk a little bit about the, uh, I want to be honest, the other horror novel in Star Wars. We're going to be talking about Red Harvest. Mac, have you ever read Red Harvest? Have you ever read this one before? I, I did, actually. I read it for the first time uh, last Halloween when we did Death Troopers. If you want to listen to that episode, if you go back. Oh, so you did like a double feature. Yeah, well, when we did, when we were going to do Death Troopers, um, I suggested it to you, and I basically read like the Wikipedia synopsis because I had read it back when it was published. And sure, I, sure. originally we were going to be really adventurous and do both of them last year, which was dumb, and I'm glad we didn't. Um, but in in preparation of that, I went through and I, I did Red Harvest, Harvest and I took some notes, which most of them I understand from a year ago. <laughs> well, I have some notes, too, and I read it a little bit more recently for the first time. I read it uh, this spring. I don't have the exact date, but I finished it sometime in like March or April. So I have a pretty recent memory of it. Okay. So that uh, mixed with my rather large record. When I started my Legends reread this year, I decided I was going to take detailed notes notes about every book. That way I'd never have to read it again. You know, it's... kind of if I needed to reference it, I could at least get it or at least know what chapter to find the information I need. So I have basically like a synopsis or a summary of every chapter. Yeah, summary is really the oh, better wow. way to describe okay. that. Yours are so I have I have a fair <laughs> I have a fair amount of info and then I have like a you know, a basic list of, of some of the characters we're, we'll see. So we'll talk a little bit about, you know, the, the basics of the story. And then we'll kind of go through, you know, beat by beat and talk about the biggest moments. So this will be a, uh, you know, spoiler-filled, just one last final warning, uh, right. spoiler-filled discussion. Um, and so, Mac, uh, you know, this book originally published in 2010, I have a hardcover copy on the shelf behind me here as we're recording and i know you uh have a copy as well you just uh like you said you broke into uh written by joe schreiber the mm -hmm. first time we've talked about um this novel or anything from it you know we've never talked about any of the characters or concepts everything that uh, pops up in this novel that we're going to talk about today is kind of something we're diving into for the first time, really. Right, and, and Joe Schreiber um, was basically brought on to do these projects. This was essentially a sequel novel to Death Troopers. It, it was written, like, a year later. Um, he's gone on to do other stuff, like he did, wrote uh, Mall Lockdown, which is the, the last novel released under Legacy before Disney... It's basically, Mall Lockdown's the last one that's not canon, and Tarkin was the first one that was canon. Um, and he's written a few other things... Uh, outside of that like junior novels and stuff but this is sort of um his second big star wars book if you will uh so sorry i got a cat trying to step on a keyboard over here <laughs> uh <laughs> i was trying to to fend him off uh oh he's going for the trackpad hold on and i want to i don't want us to get paused this is gonna be good this is, this is a whole new this twist is, environment yeah to the so show. uh just just so you know and especially if you hear his cough uh, Ross and I are both sick, and we're recording this uh, in, in our own little quarantine dens um, in a kind of different way than we usually do. So we'll, hopefully yeah. this works. So we're going we're gonna <laughs> to see how this audio works out for us. But uh, it's going to be fun. There are going to be some different distractions uh, and uh, maybe some different room sounds. So it'll be fun to hear how this all turns out for us. But yeah, anyway, back to the novel. I have... Uh, subdued the cat he seems to be chilling here on my lap so i think that's we're a good, good for place a 
Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but if you hear any thuds or, or, or uh, noises, that may be the case. Okay. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> let's get back to our discussion. I apologize for the delay, everyone. Uh, so what we've got going on here is another horror story, like yes. you were saying, Mac. This is a sort of follow-up, even though it really doesn't relate. I mean, this is uh, thousands of years earlier in the Star Wars Legends timeline. So, you know, this is not a sequel to Death Troopers in that way. If you've already read Death Troopers, this story does basically stand on its own. We'll talk about that as we go. Well, but I'll tell you what, let me this, um, let me just quickly oh, kind of oh, yeah. frame this. I'll, I'll give a little bit of yeah, a synopsis please. from the publisher summary. Uh, oh, yeah, if you have that in front of you, that'd be great. Yeah, the era of the Old Republic is a dark and dangerous time. As Jedi Knights violently battle Sith Lords... It, and their ruthless armies. But the Sith have disturbing plans, and none so more than the fulfillment of Dark Scabarus's fanatical dream, which is about to become a nightmarish reality. Unlike other Jedi sidelined to the agricultural corps, young Jedi, whose abilities have not proved to be up to snuff, Hetzio Trace possesses an extraordinary force talent, a gift with plants. Suddenly, her quiet existence among the greenhouses and garden specimens is violently destroyed by the arrival of an emissary from Dar Scabarus. For a rare black orchid that she is nurtured and bonded with is the final ingredient in an ancient Sith formula that promises to grant Scabarus the great, his greatest desire. But at the heart of the formula is a never-before-seen virus. A, that's worse than fatal. It doesn't just kill, it transforms. Now the rotting, ravenous dead are rising, driven by a bloodthirsty hunger for all things living, and commanded by a Sith Master with an insatiable lust for power and an ultimate prize of immortality, no matter the cost. That sums it up pretty well, spooky I think. Spooky indeed, Mac. Very spooky. Um... <laughs> uh, what do you think? Now you hear that summary. Is this a novel you want to pick up? Well, you know, is this something you want to read outside of planning to read it for the show? So, uh, yeah. So for me, I was very fascinated by these these two books because they were part of. Um, I was um, really into the idea that Star Wars had sort of gone as big as humanly possible, right? It had, you know. We're like, okay, there's no more movies to produce. Um, we're going to keep plugging along with these novels, and uh, they're going to get continually more weird. Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> the the best exa example of that was uh, if you were reading literally called the legacy novels. Like, they were starting to talk about the morning shows on Coruscant and CAF, and it started feeling like almost like watching, watching the political beat first for the star Wars universe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, which mm -hmm. was kind of interesting in its own way. But, um, around this time I got really into Michael Reeves, uh, Coruscant Knights trilogy, which was a trilogy that was like of a Jedi trying to hide after the order 66 fell. And yeah. he's like a detective in the undercity of Coruscant. It was written like a, um, a, a pulp detective novel. Um, so I was really into the idea of, uh, yeah, let's take Star Wars and let's change the lens. What does it look like when you're not a heroic Jedi? What does it look like when, like, say, the Republic Commando novels, where it's like, what does it feel like to be a down-in-the-mud soldier during the Clone Wars, not a, you know, leaping all over the place, going from hotspot to hotspot with a lightsaber Jedi? Uh, and these were the same and vein. frankly, these are all the th best things about Legends. 
Yeah, was you know all of these different varieties of stories. Absolutely. So I was fully set up for like, hey, we're gonna do horror novels because while horror is not something I get into, especially movies, I don't really get into them. Games and novels, I've I have a I have a certain sweet tooth for horror novels and video games, even though I don't like. What movies. would be an example of a non-Star Wars horror novel? I've read the ma- like. Do you have a favorite? Well, uh... I've read the majority of like the Stephen King canon. Um, I mm-hmm. I like some Dean Koontz here and there. I was really into R.L. Stein, especially. I got into his like older adult stuff, like like Fear Street, and then into his adult novels. Like um, I really enjoyed when I was a kid. It's a book called 13, which was just like a preview of like everyone who's anyone in like 1996 of like horror. Um, yeah, I just, mm. I have a soft spot. Actually, I just read um, Who Goes Very There, also known as Frozen Hell, which is the original novella that The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing is based on. And oh, actually the 50s okay. novel that also it's based on. Um, so I just read that and that was pretty good. So yeah, I, I think it's because video games and novels you can always hit the pause button if like the horror is creeping up on you too much whereas movies and haunted houses and some of that stuff like that that gets my guff a little bit too much um i can enjoy them but they're not i don't seek them out i gotcha okay so uh that's your that's your overall relation to horror and is that how you pretty much feel about it in star wars you'll read a horror book but if there was a star wars horror film you you know that would not be your cup of tea correct yeah that's how i can interpret that okay now if there was a star wars horror film let's just say there was a uh, whatever i don't know they bring you know the the dark tales uh short stories to life on Disney Plus animated. Would you watch that? I mean, we'll get into the second part of our show about what Star Wars looks like <laughs> horror when it's like created by the creators. I think it's creepy. Um, I guess it the, can be creepy. I guess the whole thing is I love horror motifs, especially gothic horror, like your classic books like yeah. um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I love that stuff. I, I just... Um, This is going to sound really dark, but, like, I don't know, ever since we made, like, Saw and Hostile and these sort of, like, really grim, really edgy, really... I guess since reality TV came out, our horrors become way too grounded in, like, really the bad parts of humanity, and I just don't like the current current trends in horror cinema, I guess is the best way to put it. Is that safe? Yeah, I think okay. I'd say that. Yeah. So, luckily, this is not a movie... <laughs> Um, and so, uh, but I think it does fall into some pretty cliches about horror. I mean, do you want to just say like, before we get started, I, I, I'll just say like, this isn't that great of a book. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, the, the thing that I like the best about this is that (laughs) it exists. The fact that (laughs) in legends, you have these stories that are so unique um you know when you have a a series of 140 plus novels there is room to experiment and to try these different things so i really really like what we what we get here for the fact that for someone this is a story they really like yes it's not a story i really like um Mm -hmm. but i do like it less than death troopers so to put it into perspective, uh, I do like Death Troopers more now. 
um, after reading this. I, you know, I, I appreciate Death Troopers more. Well, uh, I think the other thing about but... Death Troopers that's important <laughs> that I think that this is maybe the biggest d- danging thing about this is once you get past. So the, the whole novel is set at a Sith Academy on this snow planet, um, which I don't have the name of it in front of me. But uh, do you have it? Odisir o- Faustin. Yes. Um, the Sith Academy on Odisir Faustin. So Odisir Faustin is like, you know, basically uh, it reminds me of my favorite place to set a horror film, which is, yes, put it in an underwater base slash an Arctic base slash a space station. Put it in somewhere where literally there is nowhere to run. Like literally there's nowhere to go. <laughs> you know, I love that idea. Yes, no escape. Um, I love that. And so when I started spinning up, I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. But like, once you get settled into the story, other than being a Sith magician, like it stops really mattering if it's Star Wars. Most of the characters are like Sith students or Jedi um, scrubs or bounty hunters. So people who don't have like lightsabers, for instance, or that much command of the mastery of the force. Um, and so it, it's mostly a lot of people running away from zombies. And like I said, other than a few trappings, it's not as Star Wars. Like you could switch out the Sith with like a, a, a Cthulhu cult and you'd end up with the same story. Whereas Death Troopers is something that's very, it's this, it's the Star Wars universe. Like there's no way to separate the Star Wars parts of it from the horror parts of it. Whereas I think Red Harvest I don't think Joe Schreiber did it, but like you could have told me that this was a draft for a horror novel he had on the shelf and he Star Wars did up. If that makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. That's a, that's a very interesting take. I want to circle back to that. Okay. At the end of the discussion. Okay. Because I have a few thoughts on that, but I think we should talk about the story first and I'm going to think about that as we're going through and <laughs> okay. I may have some uh, some difference of opinions now too. Now I'm kind of curious. Okay. Um okay, so let's go ahead and dive in here. So the story starts out at this Sith Academy on Odisir Fossen. Uh we have uh let's let's just, I'm going to give you an idea of how this novel starts okay. and then we'll go uh, to more of an overview, okay? Just to kind of refresh our memories, Mac. Sure. So we have this Sith apprentice, Wim Nichter. And he's preparing to fight against his fellow Sith students there, you know, outside of this uh, this battle pit. And they're standing around this ring and the prize student of the class, Rance, uh, steps up and he looks around and he challenges this character, this character, Nictor. And he knows that, you know, oh, that this prize student, Rance, is basically gonna kick his butt there, there's no <laughs> way around it there's no other way you know he doesn't have any fighting chance of beating this guy and so he doesn't understand why he'd be picked like why wouldn't this guy want to challenge mm-hmm. and he's obviously scared because the last three people that this uh prize student has fought has uh left the academy they're no longer around no one knows what happens to them right so he agrees to fight because he's a sith and he basically has to uh, even though he, you know, he knows internally, he most certainly does not want to. And so for a little bit, he's kind of holding his own, but realizes that he's just being toyed with. And eventually, uh, you know, he loses, he loses the upper hand, he loses the fight. And even though they're just using training sabers, he is just completely struck down 
and the Padawan who he's fighting, you know, the, the apprentice he's fighting is using mind control. So, you know, I don't know what kind of Sith apprentice has mind control. This being so far in the past, uh, <laughs> I guess that's well, something that they have the ability to do, right? Uh, I'll touch on this at another point of the story, but uh, just to sum up, this was a somewhat tie into the media blitz that was happening at the time for um, Bioware's The Old Republic online role-playing game. So this is set within that timeline where the Sith Empire at its apex is is invading from outside the galaxy and they have sacked Coruscant and are conquering the known galaxy. So this isn't like the rule of two Sith. This is the Sith number in the millions. Oh, for sure. So like it's oh, a much sure, more yeah. organized... Yeah, explain that thoroughly. A, a much more organized, a much more vast... Like this is... A training academy of the Sith. There's probably a few hundred around the galaxies of you know where the Sith are doing this. So, um, so like you said, like he's a little more powerful than we used to from a Sith of his age. But that's just mostly because again we are at the height of the Sith as a civilization. I guess is maybe the best way to put it. Uh huh. And of course he, um, <clears throat> he also is this you know the the star of this academy, and right. we'll talk about the person who or the people who are leading this academy as we go throughout here and find that uh, they're not so pleasant either. So to believe that these Sith are... Now remember, of course, this is all Legends content now too, meaning content that doesn't necessarily jive with our current stories that we're mm. getting. Uh, so just, you know, another thing to keep in mind, of course. But what's interesting about this here is they're setting the stage that you have this these two Padawans or these two apprentices of very, very different levels, of very different skill levels. And they're being forced to not only fight, but fight brutally. You know, this yeah. this weaker student is having his mind controlled using his own, you know, training saber to, to, to hurt himself, uh, you know, and just basically torture. These kids are torturing each other. Yes. And that is the first chapter in the story here is basically that fight ending by that apprentice, you know, basically being let up and walking off. Yeah, just showing That's you how the rough. the first chapter of the book, just showing you, yeah, yeah, how, how rough it is to be a cis student at this academy, you know, maybe to get you uh, kind of into their mindset a little bit. Right. We, yeah, and, and what kind of a school that this Darth Scabarus is sort of in charge of. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's not a pleasant, safe environment you want for your kid. This isn't Hogwarts. <laughs> no, no, it is not. No, it is not. Um, okay, so... Are we ready to Mac to move into the depths of the story now? You're feeling pretty good. Yeah, you have an idea let's... of what this world looks like. Uh, you know, let, let's talk about you know the, the world just briefly here. This is a a Sith world, so it's yes, it's dark and it's ominous and it's spooky and it's rough. And not only that, this is a frozen world. So this is a world where ever, there's ice and snow everywhere. So on top of all this black rock like formations, you have this. Um, well, this uh, not not pleasant place to be. Now, meanwhile, on the other side of the galaxy, we have our other character who we're going to see some of this story through. 
Hestizo Trace. And let's talk about her briefly before we jump in, Max, and she'll be our other sort of primary yeah. person we're going to be talking about. Hestizo is a Jedi in the Jedi Agricultural Corps. So she is essentially responsible. Uh, she's a botanist. You know, that's probably the easiest way to describe it. She is a Jedi, human female Jedi, who is working with plants. And uh, Hestizo is, uh, I'm, we're going to call her Trace from here on out, even though in the book they normally refer to her as Zoe a lot. Or, Correct. Uh, you know, her first name, Hestizo. But uh, I think I'm just going to yeah, refer to her as Trace. I think that's the easiest way, I probably. See. Yeah, because I'm used to calling her Hetzio. Um, but that's Hetzia. Well, here's the thing. I also would say I, I consumed this book as an audiobook because it's it's it had a prominent oh. um, actor, uh, John Glover, who played. Uh, he's played. He's he's one of those that guys. Um, but probably one of his most famous role for our age group would be like he was uh, Lex Luthor's dad, Lionel Luthor in Smallville. Um, great character actor, and he did the book, and he he has just a great way of kind of like holding on and having a high fluid in speech for like the Sith and holding on all like the disgusting. This book is full of really really well described gore scenes, um, and uh, <laughs> it was really good. Um, so yeah, if we keep pronouncing it differently, I, I apologize. Um, well, I mean, if you have an example from, like, you know, if you have oh, an audio book No, I have a it, memory. And that is probably the correct way. Yeah, here's the thing. There is definitely an S in there. We'll just call her Trace, because we know how that word's pronounced, and I don't want to trust my recollections of hearing an audiobook a year ago. Um, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, let's, that's, I mean, that's the other benefit of it, isn't it? <laughs> it makes it a little easier. Yes. All right, let's stick with Trace. <laughs> well, here we have this Jedi who works at the agricultural corpse and there are other Jedi around there, uh, you know, at the station at her station, but it, it's a pretty lonely life, a pretty, you know, meager existence as most Jedi uh, roles are even at this time frame. Yeah. And trace has this relationship with a particular plant that she is the caretaker of. And this plant, uh, like all things has a presence in the force, but this plant literally speaks to her telekinetically, or telepathically, I guess, would be the proper way to say it. Right, Mac? Right. I mean, just to sum up, this was an important concept. I, I know um, I read, I, I mentioned earlier, Michael Reeves' books. Um, at some point, they established that, that, and I don't think this is canon any longer, but that there are these service branches. So basically, if you're a Jedi and no master takes you as a Padawan... Basically, your potential doesn't spark interest to get someone to train you. You're, you know, you're you're basically a lost puppy. Um, you generally get assigned to what are called the service corps, and there's like the agricultural corps, the medical corps, the education corps, the the exploration corps. Where, yeah, you may not be a full fledged Jedi knight, but you still are better than baseline at certain things like helping things heal or. Uh, stirring the life in plants, which is what Trace is all about, is Trace has a connection with plants through the Force to help them grow. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're given that Trace is essentially a, for lack of a better word, a scrub Jedi. They never reached their full potential with the Force, whether that was because of midi-chlorian count and ability, or whether that's just circumstances didn't lead to, again, getting a master. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, and sometimes I think I think whether it's talked about specifically in this story or others, I can't honestly remember. But uh, a lot of times, well, not a lot of times, but sometimes it also can be just simply a Jedi feels a calling to a different area. Right. You know, they don't feel like 
this is the path for them. And we see that popping back up in canon. Just last week, we talked about the bearish vow, right? A right. Jedi who was dedicated, he not only dedicated to not being involved in the Order's duties, but someone who had dedicated their life exclusively to combat. And so this isn't a, a you know, a diff, it's just a different concept here because it's more of a job rather than a, an exile or, you know, a penance like we've seen in other media in the past. You know, this is just a, the Jedi have other roles to play right. than being warriors or keepers of the peace. Right. And, uh, and, this, and that's what this is. And we definitely see this in the sense that Trace, we can tell, has great force potential because Trace has this very special bond with this uh, Marikama uh, orchid, this black orchid that um, she has been basically nurturing and raising because that's what the agricultural crews do. They 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 bond with, well, they encourage plant growth and life to grow where often it's not. That's why they're in agriculture. They go to planets and make sure that they can have harvests and regrow their crops and help survive during droughts and all that kind of stuff. But Trace's whole, whole thing is they're on, uh, I don't have the planet in front of me, but they're basically working the yeah the Marfa facility, a botanical lab yes. that grows the plants for the core worlds. Right. Well, grows plants that grow in the core worlds, preserving them, studying them, things like that. Yeah, so we're sort of more in a laboratory, which is why this specimen only exists here. And kind of the inciting incident of the novel is uh, Darth Scabarus has hired a bounty hunter, uh, Took, to basically come and steal this plant. Um, and this bounty hunter is a whippet. And if you cannot picture these, take a second, Google them. Uh, but basically imagine sort of Wookiee-like features to start and then kind of put like almost like a woolly mammoth type of head yeah, that's not uh, bad way putting it. on them. They are uh, kind of terrifying looking and they are big and they are powerful and they are strong. So this is one of those bounty hunters who can just kind of, you know, come in like a wrecking ball if need be but also is a skilled hunter and uh you know tracker as well so that's what we're dealing with here but Hestizo, uh you know traces we're gonna call her uh wakes up on the station hearing the orchid calling to her mm -hmm. and you know she as she goes to see what's wrong she realizes that something is off in the station you know something isn't right and she goes to investigate, you know, she talks with the flower, the flower, um, you know, is warning her, calling her, needing her. And all of this, of course, happening over the air, you know, through her mind. Right. Uh, and we have basically she goes, she finds her colleague has been struck with an axe, you know, struck down and sees sees this bounty hunter kind of come storming at her and knocks her out. Right. And we should also point out, there is one other Jedi we'll talk about. Uh, her brother, meanwhile, is investigating some strange stuff on Geonosis. Yes. So her brother, uh, also Trace, so not to get confusing, his first name is Ro Rojo, or Rojo, R-O-J-O. Yeah. Mac, any input on I how think, to pronounce that I one? I think we went with the Spanish pronunciation in the book of Rojo. That that was kind of so Rose Alhart kind of like which also okay, makes perfect. sense because that's basically just adjacent yeah. to Spanish for red. Well, it's a it's it's Rojo? a bit odd. Well, I think I it would be, be. I think well, you said well, you said I think it would be pronounced Rojo uh, instead of Rojo. Yeah, I all right. Well, let's Trace's no brother. point to get into it. How about <laughs> Trace? Yes, Trace's <laughs> brother. And the thing is, 
it's a bit odd because just to give you an idea of how this novel this novel set up it's it's not a super long novel about you know 250 300 pages or so uh the first six chapters are all set up in exposition on the sith planet and we'll get back to that in just a moment uh but we don't meet our main character trace until chapter six or seven yeah. and then her brother right immediately after in chapter eight and then we don't hear from him again for a while. So it's a bit odd, but basically to give you the the backstory, important story on her brother that we learn at the beginning here, he is sort of like a Jedi detective. So he's out, you know, scouting the universe on his own, looking for, um, well, different any anywhere he's needed. Anywhere he's needed to investigate something, he's kind of, you know, the Sherlock Holmes uh, type. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a, a, yeah, and Jedi investigators, yeah the best way to put it yeah so feel good about all the all the other characters we're going to be bringing in here we have trace she has been kidnapped from her uh from the marfa station along with her black orchid that she is uh keeping safe you know or uh the one who is the caretaker of yeah because and so because tulk has basically brought back to scabarus both of them because like the plant can't survive without its handler like it's such a fragile yeah, that's creature it can't survive without this Jedi. Yes, yes. That is basically the idea we're going to learn here. Now, let's talk about Scabris because that is the character we haven't talked about yes. yet. And to get back to where our story started here on at the Sith Academy, we have our original Padawan. Our, our I, keep, I keep saying Padawan, uh, Sith, you know, Sith apprentice, Sith, uh, Sith learner. Apprentice. Nictor yeah. wakes up hanging in a cage in the dark in a room where he has no idea where he is. He doesn't remember. He left the hospital wing and doesn't remember anything after that. Uh, he's in pain and all he hears is a creepy, spooky voice saying, you're awake. <laughs> and there in the corner, he sees our character, Darth Scabris. Now, Darth Scabris is sort of our, uh, you know, main Sith here who uh, is on the cover of this book, who is, you know, talked about uh, in the in the marketing and all that. But uh, he's also a character we won't see too much of here for a lot of this story. Uh, now, you know, Nictor follows Scabrous around, you know, as he, as he walks around the room. Nictor follows him with his eyes and he sees uh, a pump and jars full of black dead flowers and he feels tubes, you know, poking out of his back and Scabrous takes a flower and disintegrates it in the pump and as it gets injected into Nictor, he's screaming in pain as uh, Scabrous leaves the room, destroying all of the dead flowers as he goes, you know, behind him. Yeah. Uh, so we have this character who our first introduction to him as uh, Star Wars fans we would know as a Sith Lord someone we wouldn't want to you know deal with or mess with to begin with and now here we have this introduction to him of him torturing uh, in some way by some form of injection um, his star torturing people. Poison Ivy style one of his uh, one of his students yeah because he's the headmaster of this facility you can tell he swings supreme power here and Later in the novel, we kind of get the description of, like, he's, you know, a guy who's, like, like middle-aged, but with a strong, powerful build. He's got the salon like, gray skin, the kind of white-gray hair, the yellow eyes of a Sith Master. He's just, he's just evil. 
Like, he's just... <laughs> he's Pure evil. He is. And we, we will eventually know his ambitions are to become immortal. And he's been doing what he just did. He's doing all these experiments to find the way to make this Sith formula he has function in a way that it has none of the side effects. Yes, yes. That is the ultimate goal, is that he is trying to get a hold of this flower that uh, that Trace is, um, you know, protecting, mm-hmm. that we're going to learn about more here as we go. He is paying bounty hunters from all across the galaxy to bring him this flower. So what we have here is uh, actually another scene that happens early in the book. This bounty hunter, Dranuk, uh, arrives on the planet bringing with him a flower, presents it to Scabrous, and Scabrous immediately says, no, you've failed me, shows him that he's already killed his co-pilot, and uh, basically says, hey, you know, if you uh, if you eat this guy's head, you can uh, you can live, you can leave. That's <laughs> what you get for failing me. You get, you get a chance at redemption, just gotta eat your co-pilot's boiled head. <laughs> and of course, this, uh, this bounty hunter doesn't take too kindly to that, tries to stab Scabrous, and well, it doesn't go his way. He doesn't last much longer. No. So, you know, that's the kind of guy we're dealing with here. He's on a mission, a hunt for this flower. It's obviously very rare. You know, we don't see that there are that there are many of them or anything like that because he's obviously not been able to find it. We now see there, you know, all these draw, draw, jars <laughs> on his wall of dead flowers, flowers he's tried. And so he knows that uh, this is we know as readers that this has been a long journey for him trying to find this flower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and so um, doing it to where we, we start you. He get, yeah. Where we start getting into the actual story after all the setup is good. done. No, yeah. no, this is good. So um, <laughs> basically the biggest thing about it is um, uh, our, our, our here, our bounty hunter to look, finally you know delivers uh this jedi and the flower and scabrous is you know fairly happy about the fact of like oh well this is the thing i've been waiting for is a healthy one of these um and kind of makes up his mind of like okay well i'm gonna use this and he basically starts grounding it into this substance that he's gonna use on a device on his star pupil um the guy we've been kind of following as an apprentice um i don't have his name uh nictor well, Nictor is Nictor is the original, the original student, the the one who was kind of like the weakling getting picked on. Oh, I'm and sorry. Then the apprentice is no, you're good. Is uh is Rance Lusk, I believe. Here, let me go check my notes. Uh, yeah, Rance Lusk. So here, let, let me give you just why, to frame yeah, it up a you, little bit here. You're a little closer to the yeah. source. Yeah. No, you're good. You're <laughs> good. You're good. I just wanted to see. Uh, yeah, you're good. So what we have here is we have, as Mac is explaining, we have our bounty hunter. Tolk, uh, bringing Trace to this planet. And she awakens in the cargo hold to, of course, uh, a pleasant sight of, uh, you know, like like almost like a hunter's den. Uh, skulls strung together hanging from the ceiling and, uh, you know, not a, not a pleasant place to be. She tries to make a connection with the bounty hunter, tries to get some information from him, but uh, isn't exactly very successful other than... Uh, his name, you know, she gets his name basically uh, from the flower, and uh, the flower basically says, "Hey, we're we're landing, and we're landing at the worst place in the galaxy." Mm-hmm. Now, 
the landing is very rough. Uh, you know, they're not sure if they crashed or if it was just uh, a bad landing, a bad ship. But basically, uh, the bounty hunter comes in, gives Trace, you know, hats and gloves, tells her it's going to, you know, it's going to be cold out there. And so they head out. And this is where we get to what you're talking about, Mac. So he delivers her to Darscabris. Now, as Trace learns this, that that's who she's going to meet, mm -hmm. uh, she basically realizes, oh, this is a terrible situation. <laughs> she can feel in the force. She can feel in the force that, you know, this is a situation that she is not going to get out of easily. And, of course, I do want to point out, meanwhile, her brother is back investigating the scene where he finds some information about the bounty hunter's ship where he uh, is sort of on their trail now, following them. So they ride up into the factory where we earlier met Nictor, you know, where we saw the original experiment, uh, you know, the original experiment gone wrong from Scabris. And Zoe is basically, Trace is left behind uh, by the bounty hunter. And as they head out, uh, she sees uh, Nictor, in the cage, you know, or what is left of him, this sort of like, uh, well, you know, let's say what it is, these kind of zombies, these infected people, these people who are just now these sort of huddled mass of what they once were, you know, just kind of like a, like a, a broken gray decaying version of whoever they once were, right. whether they were a Sith or someone else. And so here we have Trace. She's now in this sort of worst place in the world. The Orchid is telling her how terrible this place is. She's been separated from it. She's here in this awful, spooky laboratory with all these dead flowers around her, all these broken things. And then she sees this cage with this, you know, animal-like person in it who has now just noticed she's here. So that is not a good place to be, you know. That is not a good way to start. No. <laughs> uh, you're, you know, you're, you're kidnapping. No, it goes from bad to worse, right? Correct. Yeah, it's 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 a tremendously awful place. <laughs> um, yeah, and yes, awful is a good way to describe and it. And this is where, like I said, uh, and, it starts becoming a traditional horror novel in the sense of okay we've got the stakes of there are zombies and most of the school is being converted into these monstrosities and you're out in this isolated place in this basically you know evil school um and the oppression is starting to start closing down because we're wondering like what was the sense what you know what is scabbard's plan what is what was the goal of doing all of this to his own students and stuff yes and so this is where we start to, yeah, really explore it. Now, we do also, I just want to point out here that uh, Scabris lets the bounty hunter leave. You know, he kept his promise. And as soon as the bounty hunter arrives with Trace, uh, Scabris knows, oh, you've brought me the right person. None of the other bounty hunters have brought me, you know, the caretaker before. And I knew it needed one of those. So that's how I always knew it was fake. Mm -hmm. And so once I saw her, I knew you were the real deal. I don't even need to inspect it. And so our bounty hunter heads off. And, you know, as far as we know, he's out of our lives now. We are just left with Scabris, Nictor, and Trace all in this creepy experiment room, you know, uh, experimentation room. And so we have uh, Nictor gets out of the cage, attacks 
separates, you know, and then is eventually thrown out of a window, but not before scratching at Scabarus's face and causing injury to him. Right. Now, in the commotion, Trace is able to get out, and this is where Scabarus's plan is sort of revealed to us. He starts a blood transfusion with the orchid, using it to essentially try and make himself immortal. Yeah, because what he's found is while the orchid has the ability to resurrect de- the dead, they become zombies. They become carnivorous, mindless things. And he wants to basically get the rejuvenation of qualities, but he doesn't want to, A, have to die to do that, and B, he doesn't want to lose his mind. So he's trying to perfect this so that he can become functionally immortal. Yes, yes, that's the goal. Like, apparently we're tra- we're eventually learning every Sith wants to do, right? They always want to be immortal. Mm-hmm. So that is Scabrous's goal, and he is willing to sacrifice his entire academy to do it. So we have Scabrous, and uh, we learn that uh, the Sith Academy, as far as we can tell, is still sort of operating as normal. Right. Uh, you know, Trace is outside. She can hear the Orchid calling to her telepathically, but doesn't know where she is. And Sith students are starting to notice her because she's just sort of out trying to hide, but... You know, where are you going to go when you're on a Sith world and, you know, no, literally you have no idea where anything yeah, is. Yeah, you're wearing these tans the and calling browns. out to you for help. Everyone's wearing black, yeah. red, and gray. You're going to stick out. Oh, for sure. And uh, as a Sith student notices her and begins to sort of come after her, try and attack her, uh, our bounty hunter friend, our whippet friend, Tulk, uh, comes out and saves her, basically saying, hey, I need to kind of show you something. Uh, Now, I want to point out something interesting that's happening in the meantime. This is sort of unrelated. You know, I love when novels have sort of these little uh, miniature stories, these little characters that only come in and out for a moment. Uh, Can be some of the best things in Star Wars, right? When you only have a character for a few scenes or a few lines of dialogue, you know, your your greedos and and whatnot. So sometimes that can be great. So I want to point out in the Sith library, uh, one of the other... um, Well, Sith, Kendra, is uh, looking for info. She sees the ceiling is splitting open, (laughs) and the librarian, which is a living tree named Dao Lis. Yes. The tree's root system is part of the library itself. Now, one day, this tree will collapse, and the library will collapse in on itself. Uh, You know, now the tree asks Kendra if she feels the sickness that's in the air. And the the Padawan, the apprentice, the Sith apprentice is like, I don't have time for this and leaves. But it's kind of interesting here. We're seeing this unique Sith thing that, as far as I can remember, this is only in this novel, this sort of Sith oh. librarian well, this tree. Is, this Do you is, remember yes, anything these, like this? These are, uh, this species is called the Neti, N-E-T-I. Um, okay. And the reason I know about these is in the old, uh, there is a, this is a dark mirror of um, a creature known as Odin Benar. Odin Benar was uh, basically a fixture, a Jedi master at a Jedi library. <laughs> um, and he was very <laughs> much kind of like a Yoda-like figure in the sense that he had been uh, in this place for already like a thousand years, um, he he because he's a tree person. They're they're insanely long lived, um, and Very he lived at the Jedi uh, the Jedi Library world of Ossus. Um, so yes, this creature was familiar huh. to me. 
wow but what i had no idea um see this is the stuff i love about legends are just some of these little things that are sprinkled in that aren't really related to you know anything <laughs> you know uh directly you know things that aren't uh, related to our bigger overall story uh, I think can be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, all the world building stuff, the reason we all love Star Wars, right? That's what I'm saying here. Yeah, he's an interesting okay. character. And yeah, he wrote, he had a holocron and everything. So he's, yeah. Now, meanwhile, we have about 120 cis students in the dining hall for their evening meal. And, uh, you know, something isn't right. A few students are coming out from the kitchen, not looking quite like themselves. And then the screaming starts. And so even the prize apprentice, uh, Rance Lusk, who we talked about earlier, uh, he decides that instead of fighting with these creatures, like all of his other, you know, uh, um, peers seem to be doing, he decides that he's just going to cut his own wrists and let them come to him because whatever power they have, mm -hmm. he sees it and he wants it. So he basically invites on the challenge. He believes that he can control whatever this power is and uh, wants it for himself. So he lets himself turn into one of these monsters that now we're going to start to see, you know, we're into the kind of the thick of the story now. This is the big stuff where, you know, the apprentices, Nictor, the original monster kind of who was created, is out and about now and more apprentices, more Sith are turning and falling. And uh, meanwhile, the other Trace, Rojo or Rojo Trace, uh, arrives on the planet and he's able to feel that his sister is there. And he notices that as he's landing, there's no one around. So he heads for the nearest tower. You know, there's no one there to meet him or confront him at the landing platform. Right. So he just heads out on his own. And now we find ourselves back with our bounty hunter friend, Talk, who takes Trace to see, sorry, the uh, the female Trace, the sister You're Trace, fine. to see Nictor, who is pinned under the rocks from where he fell out of the window and from his fight with another Sith apprentice. Mm -hmm. uh, he wants her to explain what is going on. You know, he wants her to like, hey, explain this to me. What is happening? I don't understand. And... The only thing Zoe can really say is that I can still hear the orchid, but uh, there are other monsters coming. You know, we, we need to get moving. We need to get out of here. And uh, of course, you know, meanwhile, there are students who are trying to survive and there, you know, there are some sub stories happening that I want to call out, but basically none of them really end up making it. So we're not going to talk about well, them in too much detail, I think the best way but to that's how is... they fill out some of the horror elements of this book yeah. is by having some different students who are getting sort of killed off as the story goes on. So there is some other ambiance to it that is basically filled with, with cannon fodder. Well, it's a traditional storytelling method. And that's why I think my notes aren't very complete on this the first half of the book is setting the place up, staging the whole world, and making it so you don't know who's important and who's not, right? Like, who are the characters that are going to survive? Who are the characters that are not? Who's going to be an ongoing character? Who's not? Um, and they so they frame up all the characters that have just enough character development to make you shocked when they get offed, usually very violently and very quickly. Um, because at this point in the story, the what they're calling the sickness is starting to just ebb out through the population. More and more of the students and, for that matter, the staff are starting to become these monstrosities. Um, 
and Scavrus is not helping at all. Because um, I don't know if this is in the right spot, but the, the Netty we talked about, um, he realizes that what he... Scavrus has this idea that he now realizes that um, the ability to talk to the plant that uh, Trace has is probably something that he needs. He's like, if I could have that connection with the plant, maybe I could push off the, the you know, the, the problems I'm having with control, the problem I'm having with losing my mind to this. And so he kind of gets in his head that like, if he, um, if he gets uh, Zoe's heart <laughs> and eats it, he can take the midi-chlorian count that's so uh, concentrated in the heart and that could give him the power he needs. So he goes to that like librarian, infects the librarian, and basically says, make the sounds of the orchid so she comes here. <laughs> like, some pretty dark stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it, it is. Uh, it is dark because, you know, meanwhile, we, we don't know where these orchid voices are coming from. Right. You know, the flower, as far as we know has been sort of vaporized and injected. Right. So where is this voice even coming from before the, you know, the tree is infected? Um, and of course we have our, you know, our main character trace and our bounty hunter friend are trying not to get eaten by these zombie like creatures, you know, jumping between roofs, trying not to fall off. Scabrous is out there looking for them. Right. So it's not a great situation to be in. And now he's using the, the librarian to try and, well, lure her, right? You know, lure her in by using the flower against her. Right. And I should point out a couple other interesting things are happening here. Uh, our heroes, or you know, as I'm calling them for the sake of the story, our heroes, Jedi, our Jedi Trace, and her bounty hunter friend Tulk, are heading towards a Tauntaun paddock. Mm-hmm. So yes. we've got that to look forward to. And uh, her brother, the the male Trace, is uh, walking through the streets and is confronted by the. Uh, Local Sith Blade Master, Shock Weth. So that's mm. not great. Yep. That's not great, Mac. No. You don't you don't want to be in a fight with Shock Weth in the middle of an apocalypse. Especially since he's like one of the only people with a lightsaber in this entire story. <laughs> yes, it is like one of the big lightsaber battles. So they fight and they uh you know, there's some daring moves. They're both good combatants, but the Sith does seem to be countering him and he's, you know, losing his upper hand and as they fight, Trace gets cut across his ribs and he's about to lose, you know, he's losing his he's losing the fight. And just as he's about to the Sith is about to take the final blow, he gets a hand reaches out and pulls him into a doorway, grabs him by the throat, pulls him inside. You hear him being eaten. He's howling yeah. alive, you know, being eaten alive. And that's when Trace realizes there's many other cries happening throughout the night. Right. So things are really starting to go to go to heck. You know, things are not going so well for any of our characters. Even though he did just survive, luckily, a fight with a Sith Blade Master. Which is good. Uh, but again, that Sith Blade Master, <laughs> I, I remember the description of him getting, the sounds of him getting eaten was like, real gross. <laughs> Yeah, not pleasant. Not pleasant for sure. But uh, we're about to get here to what I would argue is the best part of the book. So okay. I'm very excited. So we have Trace and Tolk who are entering this Tauntaun paddock. And 
told you know is basically saying hey we need to seek shelter right it's bad out there right now between the weather and all of the undead uh things are not going so well so we need to get to shelter and then we need to figure out how to get to my ship right now as they walk so Trace is basically explaining to him that, you know, the orchid and I, the orchid saved us, you know, that's, I'm communicating with her, but the bounty hunter doesn't care. He is about getting to his ship and getting off the planet. Now, Trace, you know, tries to read his mind, um, but it, you know, doesn't go well. He doesn't like having his mind invaded by her. And so as they enter the stalls, you know, they, they, they don't, you know, have a connection. They don't really get their moment to connect because as they enter the stalls, they find uh, some tauntauns, you know, as expected. And I mean, who doesn't love a novel with tauntauns, right? How could you not be excited? I mean, but Mac, you, you love tauntauns, well, right? But again, if you, you thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> Just you wait. Because as they start to look at the tauntauns, they realize that uh, they're getting a little restless. Yeah. Things aren't looking so good no. for these tauntauns. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the lights go out. Uh-oh. And uh, then our bounty hunter friend Tolk grabs Trace, pulling her forward, and they start running. She uses the force to see around them, you know, even though they're kind of in the dark of this tauntaun paddock. And she trips Tolk pulling him into a stall and of course he's furious we need to escape but they lay still as all of the dead pass by them after they're sure they're gone they head back towards the tower but as they get to the end of the tower <laughs> there is a uh oh wait i'm getting ahead of myself i don't want to jump ahead too far i was gonna say we're completely off of my notes my notes are far more concise and i'm barely remembering some of these subplots so continue on though that's okay because we're we're basically at the most important thing here is that as they exit this tauntaun paddock uh there will be some undead tauntauns coming I, was, up. I remember zombie so, tauntauns i knew we were leading up we, to that. we can't not talk about the undead tauntauns here that essentially uh you know stampede and i feel like stampede them out i was looking ahead in my notes because I thought that happened here, but maybe that maybe I'm jumping the shark. Well, the thing about like we talked about this that's novel what I'm worried about. I'm worried I'm jumping the shark a lot. Um, it moves around. A yes, lot. it does. Um, and yes. and I think like I have my notes. I think mostly like basically all written from Zoe's perspective, like just sort of what the the main thing was. But you're right; they're using all these side stories and side views of things to again make it creeping and making the infection of the school slow and you know making it um dread slowly marching towards you um yeah because i remember zombie tauntauns because like i said all i could think of is the uh, and you thought they smelled bad on the outside what if they smelled bad on the inside what if they smelled really bad because they're decomposing zombie husks on the outside <laughs> Um, and that would not smell. There's no way that would smell good. No, there, there's no way. No, there's no way. But what if it does? Ugh. How would you? You'd have to really. I mean, you never know, right? Yeah, it, you'd want to try just to find out. <laughs> what is the inside of an undead tauntaun smell like? Worse, worse than whatever Han Probably. smelled. <laughs> All right, so this is where uh, Scabrous is using the tree yes. to call to Trace, which is why they head towards the library. Um, 
we also have our our star pupil uh rance from earlier who is now starting to change in the dining hall remember he let himself be infected right and uh he's quickly realizing internally that he has no say in this matter he is now out of control the virus is his master not the other way around and um he has essentially fallen he is now one with the horde and it gives us sort of a viewpoint on exactly what that looks and feels like this sort of debilitation the sort of slow where the 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 virus is dominating your mind you know yes how (laughs) yes it is it is the 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 virus is all-consuming it is a plague and that is why we kind of you know or at least i don't think they ever really say it actually but you know it's why we can assume that there's only one of these flowers in the galaxy. Right. You know, why does only one of these flowers exist? And, well, this is why, because it's essentially a plague. Now, Zoe uh, and Tolk get separated here, Tolk heading back to his ship, fighting off some undead on the way, and also meeting up with uh, some other droid, a droid companion, who we're not going to really go off onto that side story at the moment, but meanwhile, wait, wait. Trace has made about her the droid way to the library. I just want to say one thing about the, the droid, which is, it's an HK protocol oh, droid. It's, it is an HK yeah, it's droid. It's an HK Very assassin droid. That, that's, that's, again, another tip of the cap to uh, the Old Republic. Yes, yes, one of the main playable characters in Knights of the Old Republic was an HK droid. HK-47, which we'll have to do a topic on someday. Yeah. <laughs> so as Trace wanders in the library, hearing the Orchid, uh, she feels like she's being watched and turns to see Scabrous emerge from the shadows. He pulls her to him with the Force, holding her still in front of him. She asks him why he would do this if it would kill him, and he explains the legend of Darth Drear. Yes. He's tried before and failed, but theorized eating a warm Jedi heart of sufficient metachlorian count would give you control over the transformation. Right. Then vines grow out of the necks of the dead, binding uh, binding Trace and pulling her down into a chamber deep under the library. So now we have this undead or this sort of in the process of becoming undead Sith Lord who wants immortality, who's planning to eat a Jedi heart to get it. Not something that uh, I think we would see in, uh, you know, in classic Star Wars, but uh, is kind of fun to see something different here, right? Yes. Well, something that leads a little more uh, Indiana Jones like. Well, yes, because what we have here is a traditional like like a blood sacrifice. We we are we are looking at a person who's willing to eat another living being's heart. Again, we've kind of established that he's got a carnivorous way of looking at the universe. He's got this really dark savagery to him already. Um, but yeah, we have a traditional. I'm going to tie you to a table, cut out your heart, and eat it uh, moment here, which is very <laughs> classic dark cult stuff from horror yes and it's gonna keep coming those tropes are gonna keep coming because when trace awakens she finds herself at the bottom of this pit with hundreds of torches lining the walls Mm -hmm. uh showing her you know she's able to see that she is bound to a stone slab so you know a lot more of those kind of uh horror spooky tropes coming in here yeah she's in a scabrous is above her holding a cis sword Yes. Made of black metal with an ornate design. So, you know, just imagine that uh, fun Sith dagger 
we saw in the Rise of Skywalker. That's what I'm picturing. I, well, I'm thinking of yeah, that 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 kind of like the Emperor's throne room on uh, Exegol, except for the fact it's uh, got torches and is well lit. <laughs> yes, lighting can sometimes be your friend, kids. Uh, so <laughs> here, uh, so as he's about to plunge in. Uh, he, you know, he cuts with the knife, slicing through her pelts that she's wearing, and he moves in for the second swipe that will kind of end her. Right. And that's when she hears the orchid call out and uses the force to pass through her binds. She slides out of the way and makes her way, you know, away from Scabrous when she hears her brother call out to her, crashing right. through the wall, putting himself between the two. Right. They duel. But he is realizes, you know, the the Rojo Rojo Trace realizes that uh, he is being toyed with, He's and no with a flick of Scabrous's fingers, he just uh, you know deactivates Trace's saber and sends him away, trying to dodge. But uh, he slides in, and with the cis sword, uh, kills Trace's brother. Yes. Pretty viciously too. It is not pleasant. Well, again, it's again the, the darkness of like this is not one of those nice clean lightsabers. This is a Sith blade, and it it cuts wickedly. <laughs> yeah, it's not pleasant at all. Not a good way to go. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Trace has to watch her brother die there, bleeding out, hearing the orchid kind of call out in pain and. In this moment where she's uh, so emotional after losing her brother, she calls out to the orchid, begging it to grow. Scabris finally dies, losing himself to the virus completely to the orchid. As it bursts through his head. <laughs> yeah, pinning him to the wall, um, sort of, you know, growing out of him. And Trace is able to climb away, climb up out of the pit as Scabris as sort of like, a, you know, pinned down. Now, I also want to point out, meanwhile, this is where the dead Tauntauns come in. So to okay. clarify, okay. Uh, you know, our bounty hunter friend Tolk and the HK droid he met up with a little bit ago are fighting their way through students, doing a good job, making quite a team, when a rush of dead Tauntauns come running out at them, and they're able to step them back, you know, stay back, and keep the, des the dead cis students uh, hiding from them. <laughs> Inside their decomposing bodies, the Tauntauns also spit infected bile at their enemies. Mm -hmm. HK, the HK droid uses a mortar round yes. to cause carnage, and then they head for Tolk's ship. Yeah, because Tolk <laughs> is still just trying so to get So we have off. undead Tauntauns uh, with undead Sith riding in the rib cages of these Tauntauns. That yep. spit infected vile at uh, at anything in their path, and we have an HK droid uh, blowing them up with mortar rounds. Uh, there's something very delightful about that whole scene of just like how kind of groundedly really ridiculous it is. Like it's very grounded in Star Wars, but it's also terrifying to have these like bile spitting, you know, space horses coming after you as a killer robot shoots mortar rounds at it. <laughs> uh how fun is i mean how fun is that though no it is and, and again this I, 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 this book is and, and you're reminding me again they've kind of faded as sort of just I, my mind is just gelled on the basic plot points is what i remember from this more um but like it's full of these great little moments these little 
vignettes of really interesting or really horrifying stuff. Yes. And, um, well, let's, uh, sorry, let me, uh, I was adjusting my, uh, my setup yeah, here I mean, as you were talking. Um, um so at this point oh, we're ahead. starting to get to Scabarus has been like, yeah, is dead slash mortally wounded. I mean, it's, it's, he's an undead thing. So it's yeah, tough to he's, tell. He's against um, the wall, at the bottom of this pit and trace is trying to climb out. That's where we, because at this point it's, it's now, now we have, we've crossed the Rubicon. This facility is broken. It's all about trying to escape it now. It's about trying to get yes, away and, from here. Yeah. I mean, she is, I mean, her brother's dead. The orchid she believes is gone. She just wants to get out of here. She tries to climb up the walls of the pit. She sees the undead at the top. They start to climb down to try and grab her. She feels herself being pulled in all directions when all of a sudden a claw comes down like a giant claw machine and pulls her up to safety. Uh, She is with Talk now in his ship. They're able to get away from the undead as the planet essentially collapses from all of the zombies killing each other. Um, And they escape into orbit and she finds that Tolk has chained himself up because he also feels that he, you know, he has been infected. Yeah. The Tauntauns uh, got by the same disease. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yes. And so he can feel the sickness growing inside of him. Oh yeah. The Tauntauns spit on him. According to my notes. Yes. Uh, He wants to be blown out of the airlock to get it over with. Uh, but then all of a sudden they are attacked by the dead pupil Lusk, who we didn't really uh, talk about much, but that dead star pupil from earlier. Yes. She blows the airlock and all of Tolk's collection of skulls and trophies, along with him and the apprentice, go out the window, leaving Zoe back on Marfa facility. She's back in her day to day. She has recovered. And there is the new Murakami orchid there. Right. Sorry, Murakami. I added an extra A. Murakami. That's the official name of it, by yeah, the way. Yeah, because it's, it's 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 referencing the fact it's from the Mariluka people. It's from their homeworld. Ah, uh, okay, very cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, because originally. This, uh, so anyway, this is uh, this is where. Oh, go ahead. Was it this book originally? It's hard was talking be called, on a delay. I agreed. Uh, th- this uh, was originally supposed to be called Black Orchid because that's what the whole story is about. But people. According to the note I have is people thought it was a romance novel by the name. So they changed it to Red Harvest. (laughs) Huh. But interesting. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. I could see thinking that if you had it called Black Orchid. But uh, yeah. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, they definitely succeeded in writing a horror novel, not a romance novel. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) And the whole uh, the end of the story, the story wraps up here with Trace realizing that I can't just stay in this facility forever. I need to go to Coruscant and study the Force in different ways and learn about other aspects. I can't just be cooped up here with a flower. And that is sort of how she goes out and lives her life and moves on. And that is her growth in the story as she realizes that, you know, being a master of one thing can lead to madness and you need to expand. Yeah, it's... Yeah, it basically this whole event leads her to sort of realizing her potential, the fact that she needs to go forth and recommit to becoming a protector, becoming a Jedi, like full-fledged Jedi Knight. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a character who, unfortunately, in novels, we don't see again. This is her sort of 
one and only appearance as far as I know. And again, let's also sum up does come back. that this is this is sort of again the end of Legacy. Legacy will only last for another like two years after this, um, because then the sale will happen, and then basically they're just going to well, what uh, what um, what books are still in the works? Yeah, publish those and then cancel all the other ones or make them canon. <laughs> Because it's what twenty. 20- yeah, I mean that is what that is sort of the the knowledge of what happened as far as is out there. You know that uh, that basically final projects some were scrapped, some were brought over like Tarkin and uh, Heir to the Jedi, and uh, some made it out under Legends just in time, like uh, Red Harvest by a couple of years. Yeah, because like I said, he would go on to write um, Maul Lockdown, which is the end, which I think was published in twenty fourteen. Is like the last legacy novel. Um, and lockdowns also yeah, not exactly a horror, my head. but it's definitely um, a prison novel. All right, so let's okay, so let's talk about this. So it's it's a it's a book that that I got. I forgot. I'll be honest with you, Ross. I forgot how much setup there is. I for like you're telling me these things like, oh yeah, there was that. Oh yeah, there was that. Like in my brain, <laughs> like the the notes I have and looking at it and doing a quick like Wikipedia, Wikipedia like, oh yeah, that all frames. Like I don't remember those characters. Like I remember, there's evil Jedi. He's having his Sith pupils fight each other. One Sith pupil is weak, so he becomes the first test subject for the Black Orchid. Becomes the basis of all the all <laughs> all of the sickness. There's the Whippet bounty hunter that brings uh, Trace and the flower to Scabarus. Uh, Scabarus basically explains how he's going to use it to become immortal. Cha- the Trace tries to run away with the bounty hunter. The bounty hunter says, we need to get off planet. Trace says, I hear the call of the orchid. I have to go back. Oh, well, no, this master had been killed. This librarian had been killed as a trick to me. And now this dude wants to eat my heart. Oh God, thank God. My brother is here. My brother is dead. I will call on the orchid to help me one last time, which will kill the Sith master. And then I escape with the bounty hu- hunter out through the, uh, through the ship and then oh god he's infected so he has to die too and man am i feeling really lonely here at the end as the sole survivor and it's made me realize this ordeal makes me need to be more more of a jedi yeah so that was the too long don't read version well that's but i'm like uh, but that's yeah. what it crystallized. <laughs> that's the reader's digest well, version after for sure. all this time that's what it crystallized into and my notes have yeah. like there's an hk 47 and that librarian's from uh odin burr's race and Oh, by the way, this is happening in the Old Republic. And oh, by the way, there's these Blade Masters. And I also have it written that, like, again, you would think that Jedi or Sith with lightsabers and force powers would be really good at dealing with zombies, but unfortunately, it's an academy. So, like, <laughs> no one has the equipment. They, like, a lightsaber is a brilliant zombie killing weapon, but basically, no one but that Blade Master really has one on this planet. Yeah, there's a lot of instances with training sabers, but uh, the these undead are quick. You know, they're nothing to mess with. So even with a lightsaber, a well-trained Sith or Jedi, they're still going to struggle, especially when it's hordes at a time. And then I also have the very last note I have was like, Coruscant, question mark. Um, because in this... Uh, give me more of that. Well, no, my thing is, at this time, Coruscant is occupied by the Sith Empire. Um, the Jedi have retreated to a planet called Tython, which is the home of the first Jedi temple. Um, so that was why I'm just like, mm, Lucasfilm Lightning licensing, you should have taken a second pass on this. <laughs> it's just those little tiny squibbly little stupid things that, you know, 
uh, that don't matter at all because everyone gets it. Everyone gets what it means at the end of that story of Trace going to complete their training. But like, you know, just little niggly things of like, you could just say Jedi Temple and then we'll figure it out. Because like I said, this is a very particular slice of Star Wars where to make an uh, online multiplayer role-playing game make sense, it's much... This is the biggest Sith and Jedi conflict in the history of the galaxy, the way it's framed, because they need to have an explanation for hundreds upon hundreds of players playing Sith and Jedi at the same time. And the way they did that was, this is a full tilt Sith invasion that was teased in Knights of the Republic 2, that there is a giant Sith Empire outside the galaxy that has conquered their home galaxy, and they're going to come over here eventually. That, like, Korriban later known as Moraban, is like the furthest outpost towards us, even though we think of in like Knights of the Republic that like Korriban is the heart of the Sith Empire. It's like, no, no, no. It's the furthest outpost of this amazingly gargantuan Sith Empire. Um, Interesting. So I, I pulled up while you were, while yeah. you were going through that, I pulled up. So I am, uh, I'm speaking to this only from a knowledge of the legends novels. Mm -hmm. So the novels that sort of, you know, come before and after this. Yeah. So there is, um, there's, we see initially. So at, at first early on, you know, the, the Sith do not know that, or the Jedi don't know that the Sith still exist in the galaxy kind of in this time frame. And then right. we have out, you know, a war breaks out between the Jedi and the Sith after sort of the Knights of the Old Republic 2 timeline. Like, after that, war breaks out. Yes. Eventually, it leads to the events of the Deceived novel, which is an Old Republic novel, which is a story about Darth Malgus, Malgus. leading an attack on the Jedi Temple. And that is when the Sith essentially take over Coruscant. So that happens, but then eventually, while the Jedi, you know, are also on Tython, and that's kind of where their spiritual center is, mm -hmm. uh, the Jedi do eventually get to take back over, because at the time of the next Old Republic novel, which I want to say is like 100, 150 years later, they are back on Coruscant, the Jedi are there, the, right. the Sith don't hold it for very mm -hmm. long, and this novel takes place after that. Oh, it does. So I think okay. the Jedi, well, according to the uh, Del Rey timeline, in the front of the hardcover copy of Red Harvest that I have in my hand, <laughs> you're good. This takes place <laughs> after Fatal Alliance, which the Jedi are back on Coruscant on. Okay. That I'm positive of. So what I'm basically saying is, or what I'm asking is, is there a second invasion of Coruscant from the Sith in Legends that I'm not thinking of? Oh no! Because I'm if sorry, not, just, I think at the time I think I just wrote that there were a few things that were hallmarking this to me as taking place um, concurrently with certain events of the Old Republic video game, which. The Old Republic video game, while it's still ongoing, if it, you're talking about like 150 years later, I'm like, that will be after the events of the game because the game is happening, quote unquote, in real time. So I know that when yes. I booted up the game, Coruscant is a contested place. Um, the Sith basically yes. came there and they have an occupying force there. But I can't remember exactly the details of it. But basically, there's been this uneasy truce where for whatever reason, the Sith Emperor just said, all right, did you get to Coruscant? Yes, and we're ready to sack it. Cool, um, occupy it and crush their entire government. No, just stop. 
So what, they why? are. Uh, so I can actually speak to that a little bit. Okay. They are. There is uh, when the Sith occupation, the Sith attack on the Jedi Temple happens, led by Malgus. There is a. Uh, there are peace talks going on on Alderaan between the Jedi and the Sith. Right. And the reason they chose to attack Coruscant and occupy it and not try and hold it because they know that they can't. They're already at this point. They know, like you know, losing resources and they cannot hold a planet that large for that long. Yeah. So they just basically lead this attack and kill all these Jedi for the simple fact of gaining the upper hand while negotiating. Using the peace treaty as a smokescreen. And there's... Yeah, well, yeah, no, they want they want the peace treaty. They want to sign that. That's their ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. But they want to have better terms. They basically want to have unconditional surrender when they do it. Right. And so that's why they invade Coruscant. And it's kind of so just and like to I said, this more. and like I said, the Sith Emperor has basically kind of pulled back from the scene, which means these council of these head darts, this dark council, I think it's called, which is like Malgus and Jadis and all the other ones that you can interact with in the game. They're all sort of on the same team, but have very different views on how to complete the goals of this invasion. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yes, I, yeah. So anyway, that that's, let's this be honest. This all sounds correct, yes. yes. And, and again, this is probably a topic for another time. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the point of the matter was, um, this is an interesting dark time and it makes sense that like, this academy could just get completely wiped out. Scabbers could just have basically used it as an experimentation um, because again, the Sith are so plentiful at this time in this era. Yeah. Um, that yeah, and these co- Sith lords are all fighting for power. Right. So that it's almost like they all have their own sects, their own cults of followers. Correct. And while they all look up to the Emperor, they're all trying to figure out how to gain favor and gain more power in the Emperor's eyes. It's a very political time mm-hmm. um, for a mm-hmm. group of people mm-hmm. that we usually don't see numbering more than a handful. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy just how... Um, infighting and how ruthless the Sith are to each other in this time period. Uh, oh, ruthless is the perfect way to describe it, no doubt. Um, so let's okay, let we we've we, we've talked a long time about Red Harvest. Uh let's close this down. There's a lot to say when you're talking about an entire novel. It's true. Uh let's um okay, let's wind this down with some final meditation. So um going through this passage again, there's a lot of Star Wars here. Like, I mean, I knew, I remember the Tauntauns and the HKs and, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I still stand, ended up feeling at the end of red harvest was I'm like, this didn't have to be star Wars. I could have made this a fantasy novel, um, and just made that trace is a, um, a sorcerer who is attached to this plant and they work in an alchemy, you know, a, a apothecary that sources this and a dark wizard brings her. Um, like there, there's a, there's a certain level of, because it's said in a Sith Academy, which we don't have many details. There's not a like, oh, well that's not how a Sith Academy is set up. Like there, there is no like canon view of this. So it can be whatever you want it to be. Um, they really <laughs> set it up to me as being very, I guess this comes off more horror fantasy than it does science fantasy to me. Um, and I think that's partially because when you read Death Troopers, you're on a prison barge, 
right? You're out in the yeah. galaxy. And one of the things is, you know, the difficulties of this spaceship, we might lose life support. If we do that, we can't survive, which is a very sci-fi problem to have. You have the Blackwing virus in that, which is much more a science-y thing, like the T-virus from, like, Resident Evil. Like, it has a pathology, whereas this feels like this crazy evil plant. Um, and so, just in general, I don't think I enjoyed Red Harvest as much, just because it, maybe it's just, it didn't connect with the things that I love the most about Star Wars, and it's like there wasn't enough ship and tech for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's I think it's competently written. I think it suffers from what a lot of horror novels do, which is there's a lot of things to keep track of, and most of the things won't matter by the end because, again, you're setting up characters, you're giving them enough dressings that you get invested in them, and then they need to die because we're going to always end up with only a few people surviving this. In this case, one person surviving this whole incident. Um. Yes. And that's just sort of yeah. the nature of it is you can build characters, but you're going to probably squander that by the end because they have to die. Yeah. So if this sounds like a story that would interest you, absolutely check it out. But I think definitely it's also worth mentioning that this isn't a Star Wars story for everybody. I think Mac and I have expressed that we like that it exists and we like that this has a place for Star Wars fans of this type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um but just remember, you know, whenever you're critiquing Star Wars, uh, sometimes, as people like to do, that Legends was not always a place filled with uh, good, well-written stories. Sometimes there were other ones. Well, again, it's uh, it's a great so novelty, but it ends up somewhat feeling like a novelty. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right. Uh, Mac, you feel pretty good. I feel like we've said a lot. We've said a lot. So let's... It's, um... hard, to, it's hard to figure out when we can't see each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think this has been a great experiment. And, you know, we're going to continue it. Yes, we will. Right after this. So another spooky episode of Star Wars All In in the can. Um, we talked a lot about the other time there were zombies in a Star Wars novel. It was. It was a lot of fun, and we really had a lot to say about it. It turns out, uh, and just goes I've to show a whole lot of it. <laughs> even <laughs> when it's a Star Wars story that isn't your favorite, there is still so much you can take out of it, and. That's, I think, why we ultimately all love Star Wars so much is because right, it right. is such a big and full universe. And this novel really just goes to show how much potential there is for different types of stories in Star Wars. Yeah, it's so incredibly unique, which I think is what makes it so, again, interesting. While it may not be my cup of tea, I, you know, I think it's I Star Wars is a better place for having it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, Mac. All right. Well, um, I hope everyone out there is having a, a, a fun and safe Halloween. Um, I think it goes without saying, wear a mask. 
Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's not much of a costume. The easiest <laughs> holiday to wear a mask for. No doubt about it. That's true. I, I'm assuming ninja is going to be a really popular costume this year. I could go as a ninja um, for sure. I mean, you could any Sith Lord, really. Most Sith Lords. Uh, Sith Lords do. Sith Lords really like masks, don't they? Yeah, get yourself a nice maybe Jedi Temple Guard mask if you don't want to be a Dark Lord. Uh, the, the possibilities really are are endless, you know? Goes Malgus, go as um, Malgus. Oh, Malgus is a good um, one. Yeah, Malgus um, would be a good you one. Can Nihilus. Go- Nihilus Although isn't his mouth might be open, actually. I can't remember. Yeah, it's just you don't like want a... to go the Batman where you mask up everything but your mouth. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. Uh, hey, if you're um, if the, you're listening to this on the day it publishes, uh, Mandalorian is only two sleeps away. Speaking of someone who wears a mask and stays safe, <laughs> like that's full rebreather. You're, you're cut off from everything. That's right. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, I keep getting the date mixed up. I, have they been saying stuff about the 26th? I must be getting it mixed up with Mando Mondays. Mando it's, Mondays, it's the 30th, yeah. right? The 30th is the, when it actually the 30th is the first when episode. it premieres. The first Mando right. Monday will have already happened. It happens on Monday the 26th. Right. So exactly. that will have Which, already happened when you're hearing this. But if you missed it, don't worry, there'll be another one next Monday or I should say this Monday. Yes. <laughs> I think yeah, every yes. Monday, every Monday. So the idea is, if you're not familiar, Mando Mondays is going to be every Monday uh, after the show. So the show airs on Friday, and then on Monday there will be new merchandise available for pre-order or order, uh, hypothetically based on that last yeah, Friday's episode. With, with, with tons of, um, you know, Baby Yoda material, because um, they are not going to miss that marketing trick this year. Um, no making baby yoda everything the child is everywhere 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 yeah it's kind of crazy uh so i'm sure there'll be lots of good mando merch i mean we've talked already about the credit collection figures that went up um there have been uh some announcements or i should say uh some leaks of uh some other mando merch coming out so i'm sure that'll get announced on that first mando monday uh, so there's mm-hmm. there's a lot to come. Um, we did get a, another little leaked fact about that first episode of The Mandalorian, but I'm not even though it's very very small, I'm not going to say it here uh, in case anyone's completely avoiding well, spoilers. It's, We're so it's close. only a day or two, yeah, away from when you're listening to this. So um, yeah, just enjoy. Mac, it's, we've it's, never it's, been it, closer. This is the closest we've ever been. And even next week, we'll be even closer to the next episode. We'll have after seen the it. first episode. By the time... We'll have seen New Mando and be excited for a next yeah, New I Mando. Yeah, I wonder if we'll... I think we will. I think before we record our next episode, we'll have watched an episode of Mando. I think. I think, I think that's going to be how it works out. As long as... I mean, as... Huh, assuming we're healthy again. Yes. Oh, that's the plan. fingers crossed, Mac. Fingers crossed. <laughs> But it, whatever which way it goes, there will definitely be something for you to listen in your podcasting feed. Because I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, may the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. 
other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.